Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 108 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Megan. Megan lives in Berwick, Nova Scotia, where she is a kindergarten teacher. Welcome, Megan. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad to talk to you today. I always love to talk to teachers, as you know. Yes, it's a busy time these days, teaching. It is, although I will say kindergarten. You know, I was an elementary teacher. I worked with first graders all the way up to fifth graders for my teaching career. But kindergartners are just a different little animal down there. They are. It's a completely different breed. I've taught all of the grades from grade primary to grade six, with the exception of grade two. And um, it is a completely different job, it seems, primary. 
It really, really is. I'll never forget. I taught summer school one year. And actually, I did actually teach kids who had finished kindergarten, but they had to have summer school. And so they were rising first graders. And I'll never forget the first day. I was like, all right, everyone, line up for lunch. I had been a third grade teacher prior to that. And they didn't know how to line up for lunch. And I didn't know you had to like, I was like, wait, what? You've gone to school for a whole year. They're like wandering around. I'm like, okay, we're going to have to learn how to do this. It was a whole different kind of teaching. So anyway, my, I admire you. The fall is really, you know, they come into school and they are just, they don't know what to do. No, it's breaking it down to the very basics for sure. Here's how you sit in a chair. That's right. I'm not even kidding. That is exactly it. Well, um, bless your heart because that is a such an important job. And I know all the teachers that come after you say thank you for the good preparation that y'all give them. So you know I like to start off by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, it's kind of a long story. I guess the major thing that brought me to intermittent fasting was I was in a major car accident on November 28th in 2018. And I guess it was, it all stemmed after that. But going back a little bit, I guess I graduated high school in 2001. And at that time I was, you know, probably in the 140, 150 range. And how tall are you? I'm five foot two. Okay. But I was always very athletic. So I would now looking back, (laughs) I would say that I was tiny at that time, even at that weight for my height, because I was very active. I played rugby. I played volleyball. I was on lots of my sports for high school. And then I went to university. I started dating my now husband right around Christmas time in 2001. And in 2002, my thyroid completely stopped working. Oh, gosh. Right. And so it wasn't the freshman 15 that I gained. It was the freshman 40. And so I guess that's when I realized kind of overnight I ballooned up and I knew something was wrong because I was still very active, but I was gaining weight. Yeah, that can be so very terrifying. I remember a period of time, I think my metabolism just kind of gave up. It was 2005 for me. I gained 50 pounds in 18 months without changing anything that I was doing. And it just popped on so fast that I was like having to get, you know, new pants every month, it felt like. Yes. And that was the thing. I was at university and my exercise classes, they were all free. They were included in our tuition. So we were doing them and the scale just kept creeping up and up. So that... Christmas, I went home of my second year and had my thyroid checked and found out that it was completely pretty much not working. So then I started on thyroid medication for that. But over my next five years, because my undergrad was four years and my education degree was two, I graduated from that in 2007. And I bet you when I graduated, I was about 175 pounds. And that's when I started Weight Watchers. That was my... Right. I'm a lifer of Weight Watchers. I haven't tried all of the crazy diets. I haven't gone on the shakes. I didn't do any of those other types of things. I did Weight Watchers. It's what I knew. Uh, It's what I always kind of went back to when I needed to lose a few pounds. But nothing really seemed to work. And I was kind of at a stalemate at 175. I was watching what I was eating. I was working out. In 2009, I was engaged to be married. And at that time, I hit Weight Watchers very hard before the wedding. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. And Typical, right? We are like, I got to get in shape for the wedding. I can do this. And you can, you know, have that kind of dedication for a short period with a short-term goal, right? 
Absolutely. And I was very focused. I worked out three to four times a week. I was documenting everything I was putting into my mouth. And I got down to about a size 10, 12 for the wedding, down from a 14, 16, I would say, before. How do sizes compare to U.S. sizes there? Uh, Are they the same? They're pretty comparable. Yes, they're pretty comparable. Um, A size 12 here might be a size 10 there. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty comparable. The times I've shopped in the States, they're pretty comparable. I just wondered, because I know in the UK, it's really different. It is very different, yeah. But I wasn't sure about where you were in Nova Scotia. All right, so you got down to about a 10, 12 for the wedding. Yeah, and I don't really know what my weight was then, because I was going by size, because I was wedding dress shopping. Right. So at that point, my husband and I had been together for a decade. I mean, we started dating when I was size 6 to 8, and then I was up to a 16, and then down a bit for the wedding. And fortunately, we found ourselves pregnant. And I gave birth to my first son in May of 2012. Um, I ended up in an emergency C-section there. And after all was said and done, I was about 180 pounds after that pregnancy. So I was back up to where I was when I left university. And I didn't lose any weight. Actually, when I was pregnant, they had to up my thyroid medication because I don't know if you know, but when you're pregnant, the baby also takes some of that medication. So you typically have to increase when you're pregnant and it never went back down. So my thyroid got a little bit more damaged and I never lost any of that weight. (laughs) Even though I didn't eat horribly, I was still quite active, you know, with a little baby at home, but other things became more important than writing down what I was eating every day. It's hard to keep that up. It takes 100% dedication and adding it up. And if you're really, you know, weighing things and measuring things, it's a job. Yeah, and it's not sustainable for long term. And then in 2013, I found myself pregnant again with my second son, Max, and gave birth to him in August of 2014. And during that pregnancy, I went over the 200-pound mark for my five foot two frame, which was very large, I guess. And I ended up with a condition called polyandremios when I was pregnant with my second, which is basically, in layman's terms, extra fluid around the baby. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So in the last four weeks, my stomach almost doubled in size. So they ended up taking him four weeks early through another C-section. So he was okay. Well, that's good because that had to be terrifying. Oh my gosh, your, did your stomach just like all of a sudden just boom? There it, it was. It did in the last three weeks. It really did. They were watching me every two to three days. I would go in and get hooked up and make sure that the baby was okay because there are big complications that can come along with it. I can imagine. Yeah. And so basically after that C-section, um, my OB came in and said that if we decided to have more children, that it would be quite unsafe for myself and for my future children because it is a condition that you will most likely get again. And any pregnancies after you would be very susceptible to gestational diabetes. And at my weight and height, those chances were very high for me. So it was recommended for me to not get pregnant again. And After that pregnancy, again, I didn't lose any of the weight. So now I'm over 200 pounds. And my thyroid medication went up again. But when my baby was about three weeks old, my gallbladder went. And I ended up back in the hospital and had surgery to remove that 
as well. Oh gosh, I can't even imagine you had a three-week-old at home and now you're in the hospital and you are still recovering from a C-section. I did not have C-sections, but I know they are not easy to recover from. No, and I actually took him to the hospital with me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that I had never even thought of that, but yeah, he was in there. Okay, well, that was good. Yeah, he came with me. I had my gallbladder out, but because of the C-section and the gallbladder back-to-back, I was not allowed to do anything physical for three to four months after that. So. But you had, you know, your other little one at home too, who was what, two? Was he two he at was that point? Two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half. I, oh my gosh. Okay. See, mine are 18 months apart. So when you have babies that are as close together as ours were, not doing anything physical is so much easier said than done. Absolutely. It is. It's actually impossible. It is impossible. <laughs> yes. I'm so very thankful that I had such a supportive husband. He was there through all of it. And I like to say that he was there through thick and thin because that's kind of where we are. And my weight just never went down. By the time my middle, my max was two, I was probably in my highest weight. I got up to 230 pounds. And I always say when I look back at pictures, I see when my Facebook memories come up and I know that you say that you like to read your Facebook memories every day. I do too. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And what I noticed is the only pictures of myself would be from my shoulders up because I could make that look okay. And when I went back to do baby books, there was none of me pregnant. There was none of me with my children when they were little. They don't have those. I have very few during some of those years myself. And of course, that was way before Facebook for me because Facebook didn't hadn't come around yet. But <laughs> so my Facebook memories start with middle school children, you know. <laughs> but, you know, you're right. There were all those years that I didn't have a lot of photos unless someone else had taken it and tagged me. Right. Absolutely. And then I would be like, oh, my Lord, I would like untag myself sometimes, you know, that it was you didn't like to see it. Right. Or I would you know, physically call the person and say, can you please take that down? Because I was so used to hiding myself. And our surprise was in 2007, I found out I was pregnant again. In 2017? Yes, I was. Yep. And I knew that was coming because I heard you say middle when you were talking about Max. And I'm like, there's going to be another baby. All right. (laughs) There's another one. And so we knew going into this that it would be super high risk. And it's very risky. Yeah. Yeah. And I always, when people say, you know, now I don't feel like anybody ever spoke to me about my weight when I was big, but now they feel they can talk about it a little bit, which is kind of a weird dynamic for me personally, because I never look at somebody's size. It's just, you know, who they are. And I feel like when I was there, I didn't realize how big I was because I've always been somebody who is, and I am super happy in my life. I just wasn't happy in the skin I was in. So it never got to a point where I felt I had to change the way that I looked to be happy. And I think that's why it took me a while to get there. And I needed something to push me kind of over that edge. So when I made the appointment with my doctor to tell her I was pregnant, I tested positive for gestational diabetes in the first eight weeks of my pregnancy, which meant that I had to go back to those unhealthy habits of writing down every single thing that I ate, weighing things, measuring things out, just to try to stay off insulin while I was pregnant. Because at this point, it was like, really, it wasn't just about, Me. you know, trying to, right. It wasn't about you. You had a baby that you were growing, and so you needed to keep that diabetes under control. Right. And it was a health thing for 
them. So it was super important to me. And actually throughout my whole pregnancy, I only gained eight pounds. So actually I was in better shape pregnant than I was before I was pregnant. And I actually weighed in about 15 pounds less after I had my third child than I did before I was pregnant after all was said and done. So you did not have trouble with the same extra fluid this time? I did not. It did not come back. That's amazing. Yeah. When I had my, and I had a third C-section. So that's my third C-section. After that, we actually found out that our son was born with a perfect knot in his umbilical cord. And 90% of the time, if you have a natural birth, the babies don't survive because of that perfect knot. So again, we were very fortunate that he is here with us. So because I was so high risk, here we have a women and children's medical center that's about an hour away in Halifax. They had a doctor come to observe the C-section to make sure that everything was okay. Did they know about the knot prior to the birth? We did not. I didn't know if that's the kind of thing that would have shown up on a ultrasound. Okay. Yeah, sometimes it does. So after I had the baby, I had complications with my incision. It didn't close, and it took five months for it to close. I ended up back in the hospital about a month after I had him to get a drain put in. And again, when I got back home, I wasn't allowed to be active (laughs) yet again for another couple of months. So that's when I ballooned back up. And at the end of October, the infection finally closed. And then in November, I was in my accident. Okay. So this was 2018. We've gotten up to 2018. You have three little ones at this point. And I had dropped off my oldest child. I had dropped off at school. He was in grade primary. I dropped off my middle son at preschool here in town where I live. And I was driving home and my baby Jack was one day before he turned six months old. And I went off the road and I hit a tree head on. Oh my gosh. I remember seeing the tree come towards the windshield and I swerved the car so it hit my side of the vehicle because I knew his car seat was on the other side. I hit the tree directly in front of my steering wheel. And when the airbag deployed or when I hit the tree, I extended my leg, my driver's side foot. And I actually, in the panic of the accident, I hit the gas instead of the brake. So I accelerated into the tree. Oh my gosh. And I hit the tree. And when the airbag deployed and I hit the tree, I actually partially amputated my right foot. I didn't know this till after, of course, but I do remember swerving the car so it hit my side, not Jack's. And I remember feeling the airbag hit. And I remember staying conscious. I was so, so fortunate that somebody that we knew who was a paramedic was driving by. He wasn't on duty. He was the first on scene. He stopped. And I remember him opening the door and asking me if I was okay or not. I, he didn't ask me if I was okay. I yelled at him to see if the baby was okay. He checked out the baby and he took him out and he said, he's absolutely fine. And then, oh, thank the Lord. I was just waiting on pins and needles to hear that. Whew. Okay. Actually, yeah, the baby Jack got out without even a bruise. He didn't have a bruise. I am so glad. Me too. You know, because we will do anything to ourselves. You're like, I'm going to drive myself into this tree and protect my baby. I couldn't have forgiven myself if something had happened. No, I could have, but it would have been hard. I'm glad you didn't have to. That's the thing. (laughs) Yes, me too. And I remember him holding up Jack in front of me. He took him out of his car seat after he said, and I remember going unconscious. And then when I was at the hospital, I found out that I had partially 
amputated my foot. Oh my gosh. Your right foot. This was your right my foot. My driving foot. Yes. And so my husband was there at that time. I remember seeing him in the side of the corner and I remember them taking off my wedding rings and saying that he might want those if something happened to me. And I don't remember many words while I was there other than it was serious. And I remember coming in and out. And when I was going from our local hospital, which wasn't equipped to do the surgery that I needed, I was taken by ambulance where the life team came with me. And that's where I learned of my injuries, which was that I partially amputated my foot. So my Achilles tendon was all that was holding my right foot on at that time. Oh gosh, that sounds so scary. Yeah, I didn't look at it. I, I don't remember yeah. any of it. No, I would not. Yeah. And <laughs> I would I would not have wanted to see that either. No. <laughs> and I remember them trying to set it, but then I and I found out that I broke a vertebrae. I crushed a vertebrae in my back and I lacerated my liver. I had a level 4 or grade 4 laceration of my liver. And basically, the next step up after a level four is instant death, which is a level five. Oh, my gosh. And so that was the concern, was that I was bleeding from my belly and I couldn't feel it. So skipping forward, I went and I had my foot reattached. Thank goodness. When I woke up, I could wiggle, you know, my toes. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Oh, I was I was worried about that, too. <laughs> yeah, so my toes were fine. They decided not, because the laceration of my liver was so bad, they decided not to perform surgery because they were afraid of bumping and moving it. And we didn't do anything with my back because it was crushed, not a clean break. And they knew that I wouldn't be moving for the next six to eight weeks. So it would be okay. So that's kind of how we proceeded. And I was in the ICU for about five days. And on the third day, the bleeding of my liver stopped. And it is an, a miraculous thing, but it will self-regenerate and fix itself. And it did which I'm so thankful for. That's amazing. But unfortunately, they didn't have room for me in the step-down unit at the hospital because everybody was overbooked. They were overbooked in Halifax and they were overbooked at my local hospital. So what they decided to do, because my parents' house was outfitted, it was their retirement home. <laughs> they had hallways that could have a wheelchair. I They sent a hospital bed there and that's where I went about five days after. To recuperate at your parents' house. Yeah. So I didn't live with my family for the next month. I was at my parents' place and that's where I recovered. And my husband would bring the boys to see me for about 20, 30 minutes every day. And I sat there and I recovered. But the beautiful community that I have, they brought food for my whole family, including my family and my parents who were taking care of me every night for four months. We had a meal dropped off for us and God love everybody, but I was just sitting there and I was eating. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and your foot was injured, so you couldn't do anything anyway. And so anyway, I got to the point where I was able to walk again. I started rehab about five months after that. And I went home on Christmas Eve, December 24th. I said, I'm not missing Christmas with my children. So my husband, who had to carry me everywhere, including in and out of the shower, God love him, because I couldn't move, took me home that night. And then I would get dropped off like you would drop off a child at daycare to my parents every day. And we would have supper and then my husband would take me home. And on Mother's Day, I was driving again. And that day, my father asked to take a picture of my mom and I. And y'all celebrate Mother's Day when? Same time that we do? Ours is May. Yes. Yep. It's the first Sunday, May. So in May, I said, sure. And I don't take full body pictures of myself, but that is the type of picture that he took. 
And I remember seeing the picture on my phone. I didn't erase it because I said, I don't have enough pictures. So I'm, I kind of had an epiphany that it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep the pictures. So I did. And that next week I had an appointment with my surgeon and he was very blunt with me. And he told me that every pound of weight that I lost takes four pounds off my ankle. And he actually just looked at me straight in the face and said, how long do you want to be around with your kids? And what would you like your life to be like with them? That's a pretty big wake up call right there. And so I came home and I started researching because nothing had worked. Since my thyroid went, nothing happened, but it went up. Every pregnancy, it went up. No matter what I tried, I went back to Weight Watchers. And so I just kind of, I put in the search bar, I remember, how to lose weight with thyroid issues. And then I put in, nothing has ever worked. What should I try? And your book popped up now underneath the images. Amazing. I don't know how that happened because <laughs> I don't have any tags or Google whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I remember going and clicking on your book and there was a little Facebook symbol underneath it. So then I went to Facebook and I Googled you or the intermittent fasting and Jen Stevens and your group came up. And then I just went in there and then I put in thyroid issues underneath the search bar in questions once I was in there and it it had worked for some people. And I said, well, I have to start somewhere and I have never tried this. So this sounds like something I can do with my life with three small kids. I can barely move. I knew exercising right now wasn't something that I could do. And I dreaded the thought of writing down everything and weighing things or drinking shake. Right. And so this was May of 2019. It was. Do you know what your biggest weight was or what your highest weight was at that point? 232 pounds. So May of 2019, you, I mean, that seems like a miracle because like I said, I don't sell my book as a thyroid cure. So (laughs) the fact that that popped up is like fate, right? Yeah. And I think it was more so that somebody had said, even one of the comments was, this is something that has helped with the scale starting to move. I remember reading that the scale is moving in the right direction for the first time. And it was about clean fasting. And then I just took your name and I put it into the search bar. And so that was around Mother's Day. So that was the very first week in May. And I decided to begin on June 2nd in 2019. And that is where I started. And I sat down by myself and I took my measurements and I stood on the scale and I wrote down what I wanted my goals to be and what I wanted my non-scale goals to be. I love that. Yeah. And my non-scale goals were to be in a size large or extra large, to have less back pain and to increase my mobility on my foot and hopefully to evade future surgeries (laughs) so I wouldn't have to be off my feet again with my kids. And my goal weight was 180 and I have a goal for each one of my measurements. But I started at 232 and I am now currently at... 147. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. You like sailed past that goal of 180. You I blew did. that one out of the water. You know, I'm thinking back to you said when you were in college, you were 140 to one or in high school, 140, 150 when you graduated high school. I'm smaller now than I was then. That's fabulous. Yeah. And you had never been able to take it off. That was so exciting. It was. And I do have that Weight Watchers mentality. And I had just gone through the gestational diabetes and I was used to writing everything down. And so that's a hard habit to break. So I did, until September of this year, I wrote down everything I was eating, but I didn't write down quantities. I didn't write down what time. I was just writing kind of a list of things that I ate in that day. 
so I could see how I felt. It was more about how I felt and inflammation in my body because of my injuries, certain things make me sore, make me inflamed. Right. So it was kind of like a food diary. You were keeping a food diary, but not tracking amounts. Right. Yeah. So in that first month, in from June 2nd to July 2nd, I lost 20 and a half pounds in my first. Wow. That's pretty amazing. In one month. And, you know, when I say it out loud, it seems crazy, but you have to keep in mind that I hadn't moved. Literally, I hadn't moved other than a few steps. I mean, even when I was moving, I had a scooter, a knee scooter that my leg was on that took most of my weight because I still couldn't really walk up until about three weeks before I started. So I feel like a lot of it was water weight and just from being... I think so. Yeah. The inflammation and the when you're so unwell, because your body, bless your heart, you had been through back-to-back three pregnancies, three C-sections, the third C-section, you, then you had to have the drain, you had your gallbladder. I mean, that was a lot going on. And then all the injury from the car accident, your body needed to heal. It I did. bet your body was like, thank you for fasting. It was. And I feel like before I had my accident, I literally, all I could do was get through the day with the kids and then supper came and we would eat supper and we'd put the kids to bed and I didn't move. I didn't have energy. Even if I wanted to go for a walk, I didn't have it. And I always fell back on it. It's my thyroid. I'm tired because I my thyroid doesn't work. So that's my excuse. So I'm going to sit here and do nothing. I'm not going to try because nothing has ever worked. But it's true, though, when your thyroid is all wonky, you really don't have the energy. So, you know, it, it feels like you're, quote, giving up, but it's really hard to work against that feeling. It is very hard to work against that feeling. And I guess when I sat down to think about how I was going to talk about today, it really... Yes, my weight has gone down and I do feel better in my skin. It's very easy for me to say that it was easy, but it wasn't. I had to go through a lot to get here. And I don't know if I hadn't have had the accident, if I would be here or if I would still be the 232 me who was very happy because I was very happy in every way other than when I looked in the mirror. And to me, that wasn't a big enough reason to do anything about it. I didn't think of the health implications of it. You know, I've thought about that for myself as well. You know, if I hadn't gotten to 210, if I hadn't crossed that 200 mark, if I had just stayed, you know, mildly overweight, like in the 160 to 170, would I have just happily sailed through and not worried about it? But it was only the fact that I was obese that I was like, all right, you know, and and what what would it have taken? And so in that regard, I'm grateful to the obesity for really making me see I could do better. Right. My, you know, everything. Right. And even in the last, I would say in the last three or four months, things have slowed down weight wise. And unlike you, I am aware I weigh every morning when I wake up, but it's more so, like I said, it's for me, it's for how I'm feeling and what I ate the day before I, I, September 10th, I wrote down my last thing that I put in my mouth and I have not written down one thing that I've eaten since I absolutely love the freedom of that. And I cannot believe it actually, because I am a type A personality who writes down everything. But I guess what the biggest thing is, is that our waist measurement is so important um, for our health. And my waist went from a 41 to this morning, I measured at 29 and a half. 
We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Now, that's fabulous. You know, I talk about this in my new book, Fast Feast Repeat. I talk about using your waist measurement as a guide. You can do your waist to height ratio or your waist to hip ratio. And I talk about, you know, both of those and how how you can figure them out. But that really is a 29-inch waist from 41. I mean, you have just improved your health markers amazingly. Just from that, that's one marker that we know is powerful. Right. And it's, almost a foot off my waist and my hips went from a 48 to a 37. That's 11 inches. Wow. So I'm only 5'2". So when I do look at old pictures, I did carry my weight well. (laughs) I would like to say that I was dense and not (laughs) overly thick, but I went from a size 20, 22 to a size 8 in my clothing and It's just one of those things that I didn't think that I would ever get there. I'm happy that I am. But the non-scale things is I can walk without pain most days, which is huge because my foot doesn't really work. (laughs) My back doesn't give me any troubles and I broke it for right now. And the longer I can keep pain free, the more I'm going to be able to be active with my kids because I know that I will have arthritis. I know that at some point in my life, I will probably have to have my ankle fused. I know that because of the nature of the injury. So the longer I can keep the pounds of pressure down (laughs) on it is the longer I will get to do things with my children. And not only that, do things with my husband when our kids are grown and gone. But you really, you right now are not having pain in your foot. I have pain in my foot, but it's not increased pain in my foot. Okay. Okay. So when I was bigger, it got to the point where I would have to sit down and rest multiple times a day because I couldn't bear weight on my ankle 
anymore. So I was sitting and watching my kids from the couch, from a chair. I can make it now from the morning until my kids go to bed without having to sit down most days. This pandemic has been very difficult for me because I cannot go to my physio or my chiropractor and I cannot go for massage. And I was supposed to have surgery last week and it was postponed. Uh, that Yeah, see, we're recording this. It, it'll come out. This episode comes out in mid um, August, but we're actually recording it. It's the end of April right now. So we are still, yep, we're still on lockdown. And, you know, that's, I think, some of the, the hardest stories to hear. You need to have these health treatments, but you can't. Right. And I've realized that there's only so much I can do through exercising and movement, but that's going to need to be a part of my life. So my pain right now is quite high, but I know it's not because of my weight. I know it's because of my situation right now (laughs) and the things that I can't access during this time. So I'm kind of weighing the pros and cons and I do not take any narcotics. I didn't from the day I got hurt. I have three children and I need a clear head and I have refused all pain medication. Well, that's good, you know, because that would be... I have, you know, certain brains you just take, you're boom. I have a feeling I would be one of those people. I'd be like, ooh, I like this. Now I'm an addict. (laughs) I would be the same as you. No, thank you. Right. (laughs) Yeah, no thanks. No. I don't even want to find out if that's what my brain does. Yeah. Absolutely. And it just didn't make me feel good when I was in the hospital. So I decided that that wasn't something that I wanted to do. And I didn't even incorporate exercise into anything I was doing until I, after Christmas, my parents had said, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, you know what? I want a gym membership. That's what I want. And here there's a new local gym that opened. And because I'm a teacher, they give discounts. And so I was able to get one and I did start going two to three times a week, but it was more so because it helps the muscles around my back. So the pain is not there. It helped me stretch out my ankle. So the pain is not there. So what kinds of, you know, working out were working for your body? Well, I was doing high reps, lower weights for my weight training. And I was also working on the recumbent bike or the elliptical because of the motion for my ankle. I cannot run on a treadmill. I can't run, period, because I have no upward flex of my foot. I So <laughs> I can't run after the kids or anything like that. Even losing weight won't fix that. You just don't have that mobility. That is not how your foot bends now. I can't run at all. I can't anymore yet. So it's more so for the keeping the flex flexibility and mobility of, of my body is why I'm going to the gym more so than anything right. else. But I bet you can't go to the gym right now. I cannot. It's all closed. Yeah. And so for me, of course, I have, you know, people talk about all the time, the loose skin that you have. And there's, I do have that because I'm a small person who weighed a lot of, and I had three C-sections in the same spot. So there are problem areas there, but there are great clothes out there now to hide that. So that's always a bonus. And, you know, over time, because really this has been pretty quick, you know, because we're recording this in April. You are not even a year in yet. No, June 2nd will be my year anniversary. And I have a goal to reach by then. And I'm really hoping to be there by then. I mean, and you're down 85 pounds and it's not even a year. <laughs> I just did some math. I did the carry the or borrowing. I said <laughs> regrouped. I did that. Those are old, old timey words right there. New kids would be like, what? Yeah. I borrowed. I, I did the math. I did it by hand. Yeah. 85 pounds. That's remarkable. Very, very quick. So 
Why do you think it was so quick? What what routine? What's your fasting schedule like? I started out 16-8 and I did that for the first three months. So I was down 20 pounds, 20 and a half pounds and 11 pounds and 11 pounds in my first three months. And then I moved to 17 the next month and was down seven. And then I moved to 18. And that's kind of where I is kind of my sweet spot. About an 18.6. Yes, is my sweet spot. And I've stayed there, to be honest, for the rest of the time. The odd time it might get up to 20, but it's because life happens, not because I've meant to do it, like I didn't schedule it. Because of my thyroid, I had to be very careful with the longer fast, just because of the way it makes me feel and the medication that I'm on. And you're listening to your body. And so you know, And I don't feel I'm happy with the progress that I'm getting. And now I'm losing between two, three, four pounds a month, depending on the month. Isolation has not been good because I have taught myself how to bake bread. So that's Oh, yeah. I bought a new mixer. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fancy, fancy mixer and I love it. But yeah. But yes, I'm baking things more than I was too. And yeah, it's tricky because you're like, let's have something delicious. You know, I know it's a Tuesday, but who knows what day it is. It feels like the weekend. So that's right. I think a lot of people have had the same struggle right now. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things that for me that works and that's my sweet spot and everybody is different. And I think everybody needs to find, I'm a member on the Facebook group and that's one of the questions that's always asked is what's your schedule? What works for you? But I don't think that what works for me is going to work for somebody else just because it works for me. And that's kind of my sweet spot between 17 to 19 hours. And I do typically eat two meals and a snack a day. And sometimes if I know that I'm going to have a glass of wine with supper or there's dessert on the menu, I don't have that extra snack. And my snacks are are pretty clean. You know, it might be, you know, a handful of vegetables or a piece of fruit or something like that. It's never anything large. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We actually had a new member yesterday who got like so mad at us that she like quit the group <laughs> because she posted. She's like, I saw you turned off comments. Someone asked what to eat and you didn't tell her. And she got, I was like, no, because, you know, we don't tell people what to eat because you will figure out what foods work for you. You know, I've interviewed people on this podcast who are keto. I've interviewed people on the podcast who are plant-based. I mean, you figure out what works for your body. But she got so mad. She started using bad language. And (laughs) I'm like, I'm sorry, we're not going to tell you what to eat. And Megan is not going to tell you what your windows should be either. Right. Right. And, you know, we, you really are an experiment. You know, you're, N equals one, you're figuring it out for yourself. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest thing is that I've realized that 
I can't have a lot of carbs, but it's because it's how it makes my inflammation. And I can really right. see it um, in you my ankle. You feel it in, the, in your joints and in, probably in your back. But I have them every day. I don't completely eliminate it because I know that if I go and have it, it's going to hurt worse. So kind of for me, it's that balance of how much should I have in the run of a day? And, and that's what I'm still trying to figure out. But I do try to hit all of them, you know, within the day. But I don't deny myself a dinner out with my husband. Hopefully soon we'll be able to go out again. And I don't deny myself a glass of wine with my girlfriends. Because to me, this is the first time I'm not on a diet to lose weight. It's my lifestyle. It's how it's going to be for me for now on because of how I feel and the non-scale things of my energy is back. I can run with my kids. I can not run. <laughs> I can uh, yeah, move you can quicker, yeah. move, quicker move with quickly kids. with your children. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Move quickly with my children. And you know, I can bend over and paint my own toenails. I can, you know. Now, that's a big one for men out there, especially. <laughs> I mean, I know everybody has their own things, but I remember that same exact thing. I could not bend over and paint my toenails. I mean, I remember being pregnant and I couldn't do it. And my husband painted my toenails, but then I couldn't do it because my belly was in the way. This was not when I was pregnant. I was just, I was obese. And yeah, that's a huge one. Yeah. Or just the fact that I can order something and come and it fits. You know, I don't have to go to a specialty because I'm, I was so short. I was petite, right? So finding clothes that looked nice and didn't look, you know, way above my age <laughs> was difficult. And I'm in a profession where, you know, I do have to be dressed for my job. You and, do. And also non-scale things like in my classroom, I teach primary. They're four and five years old. I can get up and down off the floor with them easily. I can take them to the gym or outside or go in the woods and we can explore and do all of those things that I probably wouldn't have done prior to, which is exciting. That's so true. Yeah. Being able to sit on the floor and cross your legs down there with them is huge. Huge. You know, being able to bend down and squat down even like, you know, if you have to really get down low with these little ones. Yeah. Huge. And you couldn't because it hurt. Right. And you couldn't get back up once you got there. Yeah. (laughs) Couldn't physically do it. No, I wanted to go back to the loose skin that you're struggling with now. You know, there's going to always be some of that, of course, babies, you know, having babies and losing the weight. But I'm going to predict for you, you're going to be amazed at how it does get better over time. It's never going to be perfect. I mean, that's just, but I bet you're going to be surprised in a year. I bet you'll probably stop losing weight on the scale, but notice that your body's going to be attacking that skin. I hope so. Thanks, autophagy, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting for that to kick in. But I have noticed, though, that I don't have – I have a little bit on my stomach and some on my legs, but my arms are doing great. Yeah. that I saw it in my arms probably first, Mm -hmm. feeling, you know, tightening up in there. And and then my bra size went way down. (laughs) That took a while, too. Yes, that's happening. Yeah. And that over slowly over a couple of years, I had to go from like a triple D, which is perfect for delay, don't deny, right? Yeah, that's right. D, 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 and then down to a C. But that happened really slowly. Like it was triple D, then it was double D, then it was just a D and <laughs> lots of slow changes. And I think now it'll be much slower and I'm not where before I was every two weeks, I was measuring and I was taking an official weight and I was doing those things. Now I feel like I have settled into it as more of a lifestyle because I feel like it took me a while to break that diet mentality. And I really was thinking more so as in when am I going to be done? And I don't have that thought go across my mind anymore. It is more so this is just how the day is. I really don't put much thought into it anymore. And I think that's when the light kind of clicked on for me that it's not, I don't need the fasting app on my phone every day. I don't need to write anything down. 
And honestly, to be completely honest, if people ask me, I will talk about it. But before when I was on a diet, it felt like it dominated conversations or it was all I thought about or thought I could talk about. And honestly, me talking to you is the first time I've really publicly, other than a close group of my girlfriends and my husband and family, of course, talked about it, to be completely honest. You know, that makes sense because we get so weary with all the dieting and then we're just like kind of want to keep this to ourselves, right? Sometimes. Well, I, of course I don't. I've never kept it to myself, but I understand <laughs> that that whole, you know, the mindset. You're either going to, you know, keep it to yourself or then you'll have a big mouth like me. <laughs> but after today, it's going to be a little more out there. So. Yeah. <laughs> are you going to share that you were on this podcast with people in your real life? There are. I will share with people that I have three or four friends are actually in the same Facebook group. So they do know that it'll be out there, but I don't know. I feel like it's such a personal journey that I've been on that if people ask, I will definitely share. I've shared your book actually with my father who has been a serial dieter and up and down and yo-yoed his whole life as well. And so I grew up with that and I have shared it with him and he's starting to ask questions. <laughs> That's great. Every time I go over and I send him the link to your book. And so I don't know if he'll read it and I don't know if he'll take it in, but he has a definite diet mindset. So we'll see how that goes. He's open to hearing about it. But absolutely, you know, I have a chapter in Fast Feast Repeat that's called Share Without Fear, but I respect the idea of not wanting to share too. Like I completely understand that because, you know, there's a lot of things we don't share. We don't talk about whether we pooped or not. I mean, you know, we, we keep things to ourselves. It's private. You don't have to tell everybody everything. But um, I love that your dad is open and he's hearing it and hopefully he'll be listening and trying it himself. Yeah. And it's not that I don't want to share. It's that if people ask, you know, I feel like people that I haven't seen in a very long time, they're very uncomfortable around me because I feel like they want, they're going to say something that's going to offend me, but I wasn't unhappy before. I wasn't embarrassed about how I looked or who I was when I was size 20. It's no different than the person that I am now at a size eight. So it doesn't embarrass me. I don't mind talking about it. I hate that it makes them feel uncomfortable, but it just goes to show how our society views people who are overweight, which is unfortunate because I was and am very happy. It doesn't matter the size of my genes. Right. And that is very true. A lot of people talk about this in the Facebook groups about how, you know, some people love to be complimented on weight loss and some people are offended when they are complimented on weight loss because they're like, wait, you're saying I look great now? What do you think I look like before? You know, (laughs) so a lot of times people just don't say anything because they don't know or they don't know, you know, maybe you lost weight because you were sick or maybe it's just hard to know. So I always took it as a compliment when someone told me it made me feel good that they noticed. But not everybody shares that feeling. And I get it. And it was a funny story. My neighbor, because we are social distancing right now during this time while we're interviewing, we do take the kids out front to play every day to get outside to get some fresh air. And our neighbors who have been my neighbors, I actually bought my childhood home. So they've been my neighbors my whole entire life. (laughs) The wife came out, my neighbor came out and she said, okay, so my husband and I were having a debate on how much weight you've lost. And I think it's this amount. And he thinks it's this amount. (laughs) She goes, I'm trying to tell him that guys have no concept of weight and how much you've actually lost. So she said, <laughs> well, who just- was closer? Was it her or was it him? Who was oh, closer? Oh, she was way closer than he oh, was. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He thought I had dropped about 20 pounds. Yeah. A man that I worked with, I told this story before. I don't know if you heard me tell it, but it was after I had lost 75 pounds. And 
the PE teacher at my school, he was like, now don't take this the wrong way, but have you lost some weight? I'm like, yes, 75 pounds. <laughs> but I mean, he wasn't sure. I just looked, maybe my hair was different. Something was different. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, so I thought, yeah, he didn't know, but I thought that was really funny. But, you know, it made me feel good to hear it. Now, what you should never say to someone is, man, you've lost so much weight. You look so much better than you ever did. But Absolutely. I just like to tell people, you look fabulous. No one ever minds hearing that. Absolutely Go up to not. someone and say, you look fabulous. Don't tell them they look better. <laughs> right. Yeah. Tell them they look fabulous. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. So I'm glad you're feeling well. Yeah. When you finally do go back to school, because y'all are learning from home right now, right? We are teaching primary through a computer. I can't even imagine. It's a lot. How to do that. No. What a terrible thing for the kids not to get to see you. I know they miss you so much. We do miss each other a lot. Yeah. I just think about how much my children loved their kindergarten teachers. Yeah. And it's so funny because I did my first Google Hangout, which is where you can invite kids. They click on a link and then you can all see each other. Well, they just nattered at, they just nattered at each other for the first five minutes. Just so happy to see each other. They were. I myself. bet they yeah. were. Yeah. Because they probably don't even understand what's happening. Now, here's a question I've thought of before the teacher question. And I haven't, I haven't spoken to a teacher that's been on this lockdown. When y'all had to go home and start doing learning from home, did you know it was going to be for the rest of the year or did they leave all their stuff at school or did they take everything home? You know, because, you know, I could just imagine that you just were like, well, we're not going to be back for a while, but maybe it'll be in a month. But what happened? In Nova Scotia, we have a March break. And actually, the day before March break was an in-service day. So we didn't even have children at school the day that we found out that the school would be closed. So we didn't get to say goodbye to them. They didn't take any of their things. All their stuff's just sitting there. Yep. And you know what? We're waiting for the next announcement because in Nova Scotia, schools are still have the potential to open back up again. So we still don't know if we're out for the remainder of the year. That announcement hasn't been made. We're waiting until May 1st to find out. Okay. Yeah, our schools, they announced that they're not going back. But I don't even know, did the kids take their stuff home? You know, they'll have to come back and get it at some point. But so many things. This is unprecedented. It is. So, And hopefully this will be the only time Ever. Ever. Yes. <laughs> that it I don't ever want to do happens. This again. No. And it really does break my heart for the kids and for the teachers, you know, especially those that are finishing up at one level. Like, for example, fifth grade is the highest grade in the school where I taught for so many years. And, you know, those kids, they're just done with elementary school. Mm-hmm. Or the grade 12s graduating is who I feel bad for. They don't get any of those last. Yeah. A good friend of mine has a senior in high school and a senior in college, and both of them. Are, so are, are going through that. It is hard. So yeah. I had actually signed up to start my master's right before I got into the car accident. So it didn't happen. So I ended up starting my master's this past month and it was supposed to be in person. And now we're, I'm doing that online too in the right. evening. So it's all changed. Everybody's, Everything is. Yeah. Yes. So I wanted to ask about your thyroid. We don't have much longer of the pot, but have you seen improvements with your thyroid? I have actually. With the weight Um, loss? Yes, I have. I'm actually on about half the medication that I was before. Yes. And so now what happens is, is every, in the beginning when I was obese, it's kind of interesting. My doctor, I went and told him immediately what I was doing and cleared it because I wanted to make sure that it was safe. And he was actually all for it, which was awesome. That's great. Yeah. And when I was, I was actually in the morbidly obese category for my BMI. So when you are in that category, every time you lose 30 pounds, you get your blood work checked again. And each time for, so for my first 60 pounds, I reduced it twice. And now 
when I'm in quote unquote regular sizes for my height, now it would be about every 10 pounds. So actually before all of this started, I have my requisition to get it done again. And I am starting to see symptoms that I know that my thyroid is off again and probably could be lowered again now. So it's very exciting to be getting on a smaller and smaller dose. That's just amazing, you know, because you are you are a little tiny person with your you know five two, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the words morbidly obese. I mean, those are harsh words to hear, right? They are, yes. And I never, I didn't step on the scale. I didn't know I was that big because I hadn't stepped on the scale in over a year when I started, and that's the category I was in. And now, are you're officially in the normal weight category? I have about nine more pounds. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And that's my goal. What a great feel. Yep, that would be my goal too. I, yep. I remember, cross, I mean, I was not morbidly obese. I was just plain obese, just vanilla variety. But, you know, crossing that threshold from obese to overweight, I remember that day, and then going from overweight to normal. Right. Such a great day after all those years. Right. And even though my doctor now said where I am, the BMI charts are there. But with my waist measurement and everything else, he would put me in the normal range now, but on a chart, I need about nine more pounds. So that's right, what I'm that going makes for. Sense. Yeah, because your waist is a great size. Yes, yeah. That's good. Well, we are coming to the end of our time together. I like to end by asking, what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you started? I guess my biggest advice would be to take time to find out what works for you. And yes, go to the Facebook page and read the books and read people's comments and look at those things. But nobody is going to know your body like you would. And so what works for me has not worked for people that I do know that are doing this. So I would say take the time and take pictures. I wish I had taken pictures. I have listened to some of your podcasts and you're right. I should have taken pictures with a bathing suit on or something like that and not in my underwear. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I specifically have that yeah. in the new book. Yeah. In the new book, I say, put on clothes. You're going to show people because you're going to want to. And yeah. you're going to want to look at them yourself. Yeah. So for right now, my before and after pictures are only going to be seen by myself or my husband. But I'm still glad that I have them. So I would say take pictures and take time to find what works for you. And don't compare your journey to somebody else's because everybody's body has been through different trauma. And it took us a long time or it took me a long time, years and years, decades to get in the state that I was in. So thinking it's going to drop off in a short amount of time is unrealistic and be kind to yourself in the process. That's great advice. Well, Megan, your story just was emotionally up and down and yes. <laughs> your body has been through so much. And I am so glad that you are on the route to healing and feeling better. And I really enjoyed talking to you today same. Thank you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello 
at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.